here and have the desire um, and because a today we're going to focus a little bit on teaching and worship and communion and so today is just organized a bit differently we didn't have a meet and greet time but after the service we'd like you to get to know somebody that you don't already know um it's going to be awkward because i'll have scott here staring um but you know we were actually expecting lindy's here expecting lindy to be away I also want to thank our pastoral staff for this last month of just giving some awesome messages in our Average Joe series. Um, they really, I, when I was gone and Paul preached, I listened to the message and I reaccepted Jesus. Um, it, it, was, it was an awesome time. When, when Earl spoke, I just thought, I, there's, I, I knew I was going to the next week, and I thought, I almost felt guilty. Um, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Team, and it is so great to be a part of that team. And so I think that um, this is sort of in between, in between our series, the average Joe, which what does just av- any average person need to know about? And then next week, where we're getting started with our just married series. Um, as Earl alluded to, marriages are just in a crisis in America. One out of uh, out of ten marriages, five will the five that end in right? It's kicking in and out. Out of the five that end in, um, or out of the five that, that stay um, married, two of them report to have happy marriages. And so there's three, three out of ten marriages that, that are pretty much shown to, uh, to, to basically just be falling apart. And so if we look at the statistics in this room, people end up getting very excited going into marriage. And then people end up being business partners or chauffeurs together. And so we want to find a way to strengthen marriages. We think that what the Bible has to say is absolutely revolutionary on this subject. So today, as I was praying about it, I was praying about this week and saying, okay, God, I'm back speaking on Labor Day weekend. God, what do you want me to say? And, and I knew it was in between, and I don't do well with just a, a one-hit message. I, I, do, I teach more in series. And so I started asking this question, God, what is it that you want to say? And, and one night, um, this rarely happens for us, but my wife got, uh, got, got a phone call and said, hey, would you like to go on a cruise with us? We're having a girls' weekend. And so my wife got to go on this awesome girls' weekend cruise, which means I got a girls' weekend because I got my two girls. <laughs> and, and we went out to, my parents have a, a place in the desert, and so we went out to the desert because I could use all the help I can get. Um, and it's really nice to have grandma and grandpa around. And so we went out to the place in the desert, and I made, um, Emma had a place, and, and or Lucy had a place, our youngest, a year and a half year old, and then our three-year-old, Emma, um, I, in our room, it's hard when they sleep in the same room because they, have, they wake up at different times, and that's just a headache. So anyways, I made a bed for Emma on the floor, and one night I'm walking into bed, and she's asleep, and I get into bed, and I guess I would have, I woke her up, because all of a sudden I'm laying down, and I get this tap. And this is what she does to me when I'm sleeping. It's just a tap on the forehead. And um, she says, Daddy. And I, and I said, hey, Emma, what's, what's wrong? And she said, i scared. And I said, why are you scared? And she said, i scared of the floor. And she's three. She could be scared of the floor. It's just a floor. But she wanted to snuggle with me. 
And, and I said, okay, come on, mom's away, you could just snuggle. And so I made her a little area in the bed with pillows and all that thing, and she had her own area, it was a big bed, so she got to sleep. Because you know how three-year-olds sleep in beds with adults, right? They climb into bed, and they spread out the complete wrong way. They hit you, in the middle of the night, they roll over and kick you. And it's just a really, really terrible sleeping experience when you have a three-year-old climb into your bed, and so... 12-year-olds too? You still climb into your mom's bed? That's another sermon. And so I took her, I snuggled her, I helped her to feel more comfortable, and I just got this overwhelming feeling of love for my daughter. And just like, wow, I would do anything in the world for this kid. Just this overwhelming feeling of love. And, and when I, when I, was feeling that way. It was sort of like, I've never heard the audible voice of God before, but it's almost like God whispered into my consciousness, this is how much I love you and even more. And not only that, this, the way you love your daughter, I want you to love your wife even more. And I was just like, okay, God, wow. This is how much you love me. And, and I love my daughter. I would do absolutely anything for my kids. Anything. But when I felt God just say, this is what I want for you. I want you to love your family the way I love you. I thought, okay, now I know what I'm talking about on Labor Day weekend. We're talking today about God's love and about God's love for us and how much he, he just wants to come into our lives and hold us. I think that as, when we begin to understand how much it is that God loves us, the depths of God's love for us, the unfathomable, we begin to fathom just a piece of it, that I think our marriages will change. I think our relationships in life will change. I think we'll begin to love with God's love, not our love. And I think that life will begin to look a lot differently. First John, by the way, the, the biblical author of John talks a ton about love, agape love. First John chapter 4, verse 7, and it should be up on the screen, says this. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Today what I want to help us understand is that God furiously loves us, relentlessly loves us. And when we begin to understand the relentless and the furious love of God is when we begin to have confidence, not in ourselves, but confidence in the fact that the Holy Spirit wants to work within us, confidence that leads to better relationships, confidence that allows us to love with God's love. Conference that's vigorous because God loves us from the inside out.
Sorry, the song. So however you're sitting, I know Dave's going to be going in and out of this message, but I just ask that you use this, this time of worship to reflect upon how much God does truly love us. And I invite you to sing as well. A thousand times I've failed So your mercy remains And should I stumble again I'm caught in your grace Everlasting Your light will shine When all else fades And never ending Your glory goes beyond all fame will above all else my purpose remains the art of losing myself in bringing you praise everlasting your light will shine when all else fades and never ending your glory goes beyond all fame my heart and my soul that I give you control consume me from the inside out Lord let justice and praise become my embrace to love you from the inside out above all else you will above all else my purpose remains the art of losing myself in bringing you praise everlasting your light will shine when all else fades never ending your glory goes beyond all fame yeah. My heart and my soul I give you control Consume me from the inside out Lord Let justice and praise Become my embrace to love you from the inside out Come on, just Everlasting Your light will shine When all else fades Never ending Your glory goes beyond all fame And the try of my heart Is to bring you praise from the inside Side out, my soul cries Love by its very nature creates union. Think about it. People get married. I'm doing a wedding this afternoon. Because people love each other, they want to be united as one. It's just 
the way it works. God's love for us, Jesus' love for humanity, the Holy Spirit's desire to dwell in us. A couple of verses that I was thinking of this week about the love of God. God loves us so much that he forsake, forsook, I should say, heaven to be with us on earth. John 14, this guy Philip was asking Jesus some questions. And Jesus answered saying, don't you, don't you know me? Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who can see me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. The union of the Father and Jesus. When Jesus spoke, those were the words of the Father. The union of that love to God loved his Son. For God so loved the world that he sent his mouthpiece, that he sent his Son, he sent his Redeemer to bind us in a union with God, to rescue us from darkness, to rescue us from despair. God loves us so much that he simply sent his own sacrifice, his own piece of himself. And as I'm thinking about my daughter, I don't know that I love anybody that much to send my daughter as a sacrifice for somebody. I don't think I love anybody that much. That would be very difficult. But then you think about how much God loves all of humanity. The union of God the Father and Jesus the Son coalesces in the union of, of the Holy Spirit and humanity. When Jesus died and resurrected, he said, this is a good thing. This has to happen because if this doesn't happen, then I won't send, the Spirit won't come. And the Spirit has to come. And the reason why the Spirit of God has to come is so that you can be empowered by the Spirit, so that the Spirit could actually dwell within you, so that you could speak the words of the Father. What Jesus ended up saying, you will do even greater things than I. And he said this because you will be, um, the Holy Spirit will dwell powerfully within you. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's spirit lives in you. God desires union with us. The reason why Jesus came to this earth is so that we could bridge the gap. Because there's too much distance. And I think that when we begin to discover the union that God wants in his love, then I think we begin to discover what that means in our relationships. I think that we begin to discover what that means in our jobs, and our, in our workplace, and just even in the way that we respond to life situations, that God ferociously, vigorously loves us and wants to be united with us. We're going to be singing a new song, or it might be new to some of you. It's called Yahweh, and if you don't know the song, um, I ask that you just try to sing this along with me. If not, just meditate on the lyrics. Sing this with me. We look to Yahweh, Yahweh. And our hope is Yahweh, Yahweh. Sing one more time. We look to Yahweh, Yahweh. 
our hope is Yahweh, Yahweh. Sing our God. Our God, He lives forever. He reigns in power and love. Let earth bow down before Him, for He is exalted. We look to Yahweh, Yahweh, forever Yahweh, Yahweh. Our hope and our hope is God Almighty. His love is greater than all. Lift high the God of heaven and give all the honor. Sing it again. We look to Yahweh, Yahweh. Our hope is Yahweh, Yahweh, and He shall reign, and He shall reign forever. He shall reign forever. He shall reign forever and ever, and He shall reign forever. He shall reign. Forever he shall reign forever and ever our God. See we look to Yahweh. We look to Yahweh. Yahweh. Forever, Yahweh, Yahweh. We look to Yahweh, Yahweh. Our hope is Yahweh, Yahweh. I think one of the most surprising things about God is how much He loves the broken, the downtrodden, the sick, the hurting. When you think about it, God is a holy God, perfect in every single way. And yet, He went to the prostitutes. He went to the dark places. There's this verse in Luke, that, Luke chapter 5, it'll be up on the screen, um, where Jesus said, I didn't come to the righteous, but I came to the sinners. People who are already doing the right thing, keep doing it. I came 
for the sinners. I came for those who were broken. I came for those who were hurting. I find it amazing that love doesn't just seek union. Love doesn't just, God doesn't just love us as, as I love my child or as you love your children. But love seeks us in the very darkest of places. Wherever we are in our lives, love seeks us there. God's love goes there. I was reading a parable by an Irish theologian. Um, there's a number of people who write modern-day parables, and, um, and they're just brilliant. And um, this is what he said, and I'm going to just change it in that I'm going to use the I voice because it makes more sense to do that. He says this, I dreamt one night that I died and went to heaven. And St. Peter was there welcoming me in. He said, come on in. Um, come on in out the, the gates. But outside some of the gates were some of my friends. They were atheists. They were agnostics. Some were Buddhists. Some were God knows what. But they were some of my friends. So I'm about to be welcomed into heaven. And I'm about to step into the gates and I said to St. Peter, what about my friends? And St. Peter says, well, you know, we've got rules up here. We, you know. And so then I began to think of my reference point, of Jesus, the one who hung out with the drunkards, the one who ministered to the prostitutes, the one who was a friend to sinners, the one who was the outsider. And so I said, no, it's okay. I think I'll stay out here with them. And at that, St. Peter cracked a smile and said, finally, somebody gets it. Finally, somebody understands what Jesus came to do. Finally, somebody understood it. That Jesus forsook all of this glory to go into the darkness of the world and to love us. Finally, somebody gets it. Mother Teresa once said, if I shall ever become a saint, I will be a saint of darkness. For I should not be found in heaven, I should be found outside as a light guiding the way. Jesus went to dark places. And I think many of us sometimes want to just stay, um, I mean, it's great to stay in the comfort and the love of Jesus, but God wants us to be filled with his love so that we will go to the dark places, to be a light guiding the way to heaven. God shines his grace brightly in the darkest of places. It was written, what Jesus said, is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. God's love digs deeply into the dark. And that's where some of us were. Love doesn't stay where it's comfortable. Love, doesn't, love goes in the darkest of depths and pulls out the most hardened of hearts. I think of King David's um, psalm when he, when he was found out. David had sinned mightily. He had, he had slept with Bathsheba. And not just that, he had killed Uriah, Bathsheba's wife. And Psalm 51 is the psalm of his brokenness. It's the psalm of his, um, of his hurt from what he had done. It's the psalm of his lamenting. And he begged for mercy. And I love this line in Psalm 51, 17. It says, The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite God. Oh God, you are broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Today, as we begin to think about taking communion together after our next song, 
I think the Bible talks about recognition of sin and repenting. The Bible talks about that a lot. Because love came to bridge the gap from darkness into light. And the only way to do that is through repenting. Is through saying, God, I've got these things in my life that are just gross. That are just do not please you and I know it and so here it is. And Jesus will shine to the Father on your behalf. And Jesus will advocate to, the, to God on your behalf. Because that's what love does. Love takes the place of the sinner, of the broken, of the hurting. Love is in to all darkness. surrounded by your grace all my fears swept away in the light of your embrace where your love is all I need and forever I am free where the streets are made of gold and forever Let the songs rise to you alone. No repaying, no hurt or pain, no suffering. You hold me now, you hold me now. No. No sick or lame, no hiding. You hold me now, you hold me now. Come on, church. In this life, I will stand. Through my joy and my pain Knowing there's a greater day There's a hope that never fails Where your name is lifted high And forever praises rise For the glory of your name I'm believing for the day where the walls and violence cease, all creation lives in peace. Let the songs of heaven rise to you alone. No weeping, no. No darkness, 
no secret lane, no hiding. You hold me now, you hold me now. Sing for eternity. For eternity, all my heart will give all the glory to Your name. For eternity, all my heart will give all the glory. To your name, no weeping, no hurt or pain, no suffering. You hold me now, you hold me now, no darkness. No sick or lame, no hiding. You hold me now, you hold me now. As we begin to think about taking communion together today, the primary thing to, to keep in mind here is the love that God has for us. I mean, whatever we've done, wherever we've been, the, the singular promise of God really, if you break it down, to, is something that my dad told me when I was a kid. He modeled it. No matter where you've gone, no matter what you've done, I'll always take you back. I'll always love you. I'll never let you go. And I was hearing that as a son gave me the confidence and the understanding that I was loved. And that's what God tells us. No matter where you've gone, no matter what you've done, I'm going to take you back. Because I love you and I want a relationship with you and I want to be deep inside your life. I want to dwell in your life. When I think about this verse in 1 Corinthians, this is the very first time, the very first account of the Lord's Supper. Um, I didn't put it on the screens. I'm sorry about that. But it's the very first account because the book of 1 Corinthians was actually written before the Gospels. And, and it simply says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my body which is for you. Not for, you know, some random thing. This is for you personally. Insert your name in there. This is for me. For my redemption. For my reconciliation. For my forgiveness so that I might be able to stand at the feet of the Father in heaven. So that I might be a new creation so that perfect love might dwell in me that I could give it, give it to others so that miracles can happen. This is for me. Will the ushers come forward?
we'd like you to take communion and hold it because we'll do this together as a community. We'll take this together as the Bible directs. In the Wesleyan Church, we believe communion is open to anyone who believes that Jesus is Lord. We believe that it can even be a thing called a means of grace, which means you see it and you understand the significance of the sacrifice, and at this moment, maybe you decide that you want to start to follow Jesus. Because as Paul, the apostle, talks about the communion, he says every time you take it, you proclaim something. Let's take a moment and simply pray quietly. For the very first Christians waited anyone who would take the bread and take the cup. Many of them had to do it in secret in caves because they knew death awaited. But each time you take this, you proclaim something. That love rescued me. So as a community, I would just like to remind us, this is what Jesus said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me take and eat. <laughs> Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. God, we thank you that it was for us individually, personally, that your body wasn't taken, but it was given freely. Lord, out of the love, out of your perfect love, you came and gave yourself away so that we might find true life. In the name of Jesus, amen. On that same night, Jesus took the cup. He talked about something called covenant. People would have understood that. It was the kind of language people used all the time. We talk in terms of legal agreements and contracts and things like this, but a covenant was something that bonded two people together. A covenant was something very important, and Jesus said, this is a new covenant. They didn't understand it at the time, but they drank it and they let it pass on. They didn't really get the significance until they understood that they were washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Ushers, if you'll come.
what we hold in our hands is a symbol of a promise. And every time we take it, we remember that promise. It's almost like look at your wedding ring and you remember your vows. Even if they were 50 years ago, you remember the promise, the covenant that you made together. This is a covenant that wherever you've gone, wherever you've done, you've been bought and purchased by the blood of Christ. Take and drink. Jesus, how thankful we are. I can't earn your love, but that you want to give it. Jesus, how thankful we are that you are God and we're not. God, I just think of how thankful I am that you love even me, the person who's a sinner. You love me. God, it's unfathomable. It's even hard to imagine. But God, we thank you for the promise, the covenant, the blood that was spilt so that we might be redeemed. In the name of Jesus, amen. God's love in us becomes a witness. Love is a witness. Have you ever seen... I, I just remember events like this so clearly. You see like an older couple at, at a table and the guy is loving his wife and adoring her and cherishing her. You, you, you know how cute sort of look over to your spouse or whoever you're with and go, look at that. That's so cute. Love proclaims something. Love tells us something. And when you really love, when you really feel the love of God, not just feeling as some emotion, but when you really begin to sense and understand how much God gave up his life for us so that we might truly live, I believe that we will live out the love of the Father. Because God is in us. And I think people, people get into problems and marriages get in trouble when people begin to love other people with their love, their own capacity to love. But when you begin to love people with the love that the Father has given you, with God's love, then I think that becomes a witness of how great our God is. John 13, 34-35 says, A new command I give you, love one another, as I, has, as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Could it be that love is so uncommon in our world that people will know that we follow Jesus simply by the way that we love each other? Jesus told his disciples, if, if, the only way that other people will know that you're my disciples is if you love one another. Think about how uncommon that is in our world. Think about how uncommon that is. Just pick up the newspaper, read the news. I mean, of course, they don't report on anything that good, good that happens. Think about the conflict. Think about the things that happen in our world. He didn't say people will know that you're a Christian by wearing a suit and tie to church. Or people will know that you're a Christian because you tip better than other people. He didn't say that. He didn't say people will know that you're a Christian because you got a fish on the back of your car. Eating Darwin. And then you get cut off, probably by Lindy. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. 
he didn't say that people know you're a Christian by the size of the cross necklace you wear, although there's no problem with that. People know you're a Christian when the inward expression of what happens, what, what happens when God loves us, the change and transformation that happens in our life when we become that new creation and that God so ferociously and vigorously loves us when that becomes to be focused outward. And when we begin to reflect that to the world, when we begin to love other people, people will say, there's something different about that person. That's my dream for NCF. That at food truck nights, people would know there's something different about these people. That at nights at PTA meetings, people would know something's different about that person. That when you have soccer games that you go to, people will say there's something different about that couple. They love differently than you and I. Your love becomes a witness. And I love going all the way back to the verse in 1 John where it says, not that we love God, but that God first loved us. It's like the only rational response in the case of that kind of love is to love back. There's no other rational response. This is what I tell couples when I marry them all the time. And I tell the couple that I'm going to marry today that same exact thing. That, he, that, 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 that I don't say lady, but so you know, between genders. I said, ma'am, your husband ought to love you so much that there is no other logical or rational response that you could give back to him. The only rational response would be to love and respect him back. And that's it. He's got to do all the hard work. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> Ladies, the Bible talks about you too, by the way. We'll get into that in a couple of weeks. But what I'm saying is that God loves us so much, so ferociously and vigorously, and so much more than we could ever ask or imagine or even think about that he simply just wants us to show that to other people and to love him in return. Because Jesus lives in us, he wants us to love one another. Because if truly Jesus really does dwell within our lives, then that should be a no-brainer, right? And we should just love people like Jesus loved the world. So are we showing people the love of God in everything that we do? Do people know that we are Christians by our love? Do they know that? Or do they say, that guy's angry? Or that person's hurting? That's okay to be hurting and angry at times. But do they know how much the Father loves humanity because of how much you love them? Okay, I've been nice the whole time, but I'm going to ask you to stand. <laughs> and he is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions Eclipsed by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me And oh, 
how he loves us so oh how he loves us how he loves us so he is jealous of me loves like a hurricane I am a tree bending weight of his wind and mercy when all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me sing and oh how he loves us so oh how he loves us how he loves us so sing one more time and oh how he loves us so oh how he loves us how he loves us so yeah he loves us oh how he loves us oh how he loves us oh how he loves yeah he loves us oh how he our prize drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes if his grace is an ocean we're all sinking and heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss and my heart turns violently inside of my chest I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he spirit of, of worship. I want to just continue on. Psalm 89 says this, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever. That you establish your faithfulness in heaven itself. 